0: Listen, two things. I hope I did not make anyone feel too uncomfortable, um, but I took the, I took the chance um, because it's so important that we connect with each other, that you have people that get to know you a little better. Um, I really want to encourage you after the service, if you've met someone that maybe you'd like to get to know a little better, why don't you guys go out to lunch? You know, just grab lunch. We, after the service, we have our core meeting. Um, if you'd like to stay for members as a core meeting, we're going to vote on the budget. Um, but even right after that, you guys can go out to uh, go out to grab lunch. The heart behind all this from the leadership is that you get to know each other better. That you get to because we're talking about love. And I just want to welcome you to week number four, if you will, of 40 days of love. Um, and uh, in 40 days of love, we're learning how to love each other more. Because as each one of us know, if you've been through this series with us so far, you know, life is about learning how to love. It's about learning how to love other people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It's hard to do that when you don't get to know each other. And one of the ways we learn how to love is to is to be around people who are really difficult. This you know we keep um We keep on going deeper and deeper and deeper as we go through this series, and and I just want to say this morning is going to be no different. And I really want to encourage you, and I mean this sincerely, to listen to this entire sermon. Do not get defensive, all right? Don't get defensive. Don't let Satan speak into your heart and shut, you know, turn me off or shut me off, whatever. Listen to the whole sermon, okay, before you make any kind of thoughts or judgments on what I'm going to say. This is really important. This is one where people sometimes don't want to hear it. Because it's, it, it it could get very emotional, if you will. So the way we learn how to love is that we're surrounded sometimes with difficult people. And this morning, we're going to look at three types of people. Three types of people. These are what I call extra grace required kind of folks. Okay? Extra, extra grace required kind of people. Um, they're difficult people. That's number one. Difficult people. Demanding people and destructive people. Um, we all have people in our lives that um, that God wants us to love. We have these types of people in our lives and and God wants us to love them. So in order for us to do that, we need some help. And we're going to go back to first Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, this morning we're going to look at verse five for that help. In verse five, it says, love is not rude. It is not self-seeking it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs okay these are challenging things we you know when you talk about love we're going to talk about love that's easy oh no oh no it says that love is not rude it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs when you understand this verse It will help you love some of the people in your life that you may consider unlovable. Some of the people in your your life, I'm not talking about your family, I'm talking about your co-workers, I'm talking about people in school. How do we love people who are sometimes unlovable? The first type of person is the difficult person, okay? And this would be a good sermon to take notes, all right? The difficult person. These these are people that are pretty recognizable. We all have people around us that don't poke the person next to you. OK, um, just, you know, focus on yourself here. But these are people um, who are hard to get along with. They're cranky. They're sometimes irresponsible. Um, they're rude and they're obnoxious. It is hard to love, let's be honest. Just being being real, it's hard to love obnoxious people. It's easy to love people who love you. It's easy to love people who you get along with or are kind and compassionate. It is sometimes hard to love people who you would consider obnoxious. Have you ever noticed there are a lot of them around? Right? There are a lot of these obnoxious people running around, um, and I'm going to raise my hand because I can be one of those obnoxious people and rude people sometimes. I think we all can, but they're all around us. They're at school, they're at work, they're at home, they're, they're, you know, they're, at, they're on the road with us, they're in supermarkets, they're in restaurants, they're all around. So I want to ask you another question. What type of rude behavior um, really gets to you? I want you to think about it. What type of rude behavior really gets to you? Because I'm going to give you my list. These are the top 10 rude acts that really bug me. All right. Are you ready? And most of these are completely uh, straight up. All right. Number 10, people who call you and then say, who is this? Before they identify themselves. Okay, listen, if, if you don't know who I am, I'm not going to identify myself first. If you're, if you're calling me, you should know who you're calling, all right? So when someone calls me up and rudely says, who is this? I don't tell them. I say, well, you tell me who you are first, and I'll tell you who I am. That's the way it works, pal. If you call me, then you tell me first. That's number one. Number 10. Number nine, people who talk loud on cell phones in public places, so, Bob, what are you talking about? we got to make this deal, Bob. And tell Margie, blah, blah, blah. And they're like loud. You're, in the, you're like in a plane or something or you're in, the, you're, you're in the airport or you're in some. And they're just loud. They're just as loud as they can be talking on the cell phone. Tone it down. Go, on, go off somewhere by yourself. We don't all need to hear all what's going on in your life. Number eight, people who won't merge. Okay. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm sorry, I have to get on the freeway. I'm coming off the exit. And the person's like, oh like, what? I just want to join the rest of you, okay, on the freeway. I am not, This is not a personal offense to you? It's like, you go, I go, you go, I go, you go, I go. This is not hard, people. Merge. I, I'm sorry, I moved to Cincinnati. People in Cincinnati can't merge. It's like, they, it's like they take offense to you trying to get in on 71 or something. All right, number seven. People who play the bass so loud in their car that I can feel it in mine. OK? I'm sorry, it's not all about the bass. There is some treble. OK, Use it. Use it. I, I, I'm getting ready to throw up. I'm sitting next it.' the light is long, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, "What is that?" Turn it down. Number six: people who are texting when the light turns green. Oh, yeah. Come on. Amen. Right? Right? That's you, though, isn't it? Sometimes, you know what I mean? Right? It's you. And I just give a friendly two to the horn because I, I know it's me sometimes. So I give a friendly two to the horn. If you don't move, though, it's lean on it, baby. Move it along. I'm not missing the light. I got things to do. Number five, people who cheat on the 10-item grocery express line. I count, okay? If you got 11 or 12, get out of there, Sparky, move it along, go on the other line, or check out yourself, whatever you need to do, but I only have six or eight items, and I want to get through quicker, and you're in my way. Number four, people who can't pick their seat on the movie line. That's a new one, all right? You have to pick your own seat now on the movie line? You can't pick your own seat? It bothers me Move it along. Number three, people who leave church early, and I'm about to make an amazing point. All right. It's like, I'm about to, and it's like, you you got to hold it. Hold it. Okay. This is important. It can change your life. Hang in there. All right. I need another coffee. No, you don't. I'm about to say something dynamic. Okay. Now I, I was really, now I'm joking on this one because people were explaining to me, oh, I had to leave on Sunday sometimes. And I'm on my, I'm like, they're all like nervous now. You're all going to be nervous to get up. If you had to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. All right. Just get the tape and listen to it or something. All right. I'm just, I'm serious. That's a joke. That's a joke. And I mean, it's a joke that I don't mind if you have to go. I really don't. Number two, any kind of line cutting without an explanation, without asking. All right. Any kind of line cutting here in Disney. Happiest place on earth until you cut in front of me. OK. <laughs> Best day ever until you cut in front of me. All right. No line. Line jumping's not a sport here at Grace Chapel or any other place in the world, according to me. Number one. This is for true, this is really true. People who stand in the door and leave the door open in the middle of the winter and want to have a conversation on their way out of my house. Yes, that's all, yeah. Some people are like, some people are like, what's the big deal? Um, I grew up with, hey, we're not heating the neighborhood, alright? That's what my mom used to say to me. Hey, we're not heating the neighborhood. But it's five degrees outside, you open the door completely, and you get out and you start, oh wait, one more thing. You got one more thing. Come back inside. I don't want to stand there for 10 minutes and lower my temperature in my house. You pay my electric bill if you want to stand and talk with the door open. All right. And I'm not kidding either. You come up in my house, say it in or out, in or out. That's what I'm saying. Open the door. I actually stood by the door out here after a second service and someone called me on it. Hey, you're we're not hitting the neighborhood of the church because I was (laughs) I like it. Okay, so here's now we'll get serious. How do you respond in love to difficult people? You don't. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Oh, just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Bible says, listen, love is not rude. Love is not rude. So I must be tactful. Write these down and not just truthful. People will say, oh, I just, I speak the truth. I just tell the truth. I tell people how it is. You need to be tactful and not just truthful. In other words, don't return, if you will, their rudeness. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 21, it reminds us, um, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then in Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath. So you have to be tactful and not just truthful when you're interacting with people who are difficult one of the ways that you can be tactful is simply by listening to what the other person has to say first before you react to them listen to them they may actually think about this they may have a point they may have a reason love tells me that i need to listen sympathetically okay and respond to the person tactfully Listen sympathetically, respond tactfully. So I'm on the line. I'm on the line at Disney. It's 45 minutes from this spot. You're like, okay. And someone gets in front of you. Throw them out of the line. You know what I'm saying? No. What you do is you say to the person, excuse me, sir, I've noticed you've stepped right in front of me on the line here. And I was wondering why you were so rude as to do that. You know what I mean? Something like that. Something like And the person may say, well, you know, I only have an hour to live and I want to go on soaring before I die. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to be on storm. Now, now, honestly, all right, joking, but to be honest with you, you need to listen to people sympathetically and respond tactfully to folks, engage them. They actually may have a reason for what they're doing. And instead of reacting, just reacting because they did something, find out why they're doing it first. This is so good. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. If you answer before you listen, that is folly and, and you should be ashamed, basically. The way you say something, this is important too. The way you say something determines, okay, how that person will respond. The way you say it determines their response. So if you say something offensively, they're going to respond defensively. A gentle answer turns away wrath. If you're offensive or offensive, if you will, in your communication, they're going to respond defensively. And remember something else as you're as you're communicating with people who are difficult. Remember tone of voice. It's not just what you're saying. It's your tone of voice. So it's it's how you say it and the tone of voice that you use when you say it. We need to be very, very careful as we're communicating with people. How do you deal with difficult people? You have to use those strategies because sometimes you're thinking the people are difficult and sometimes they are. But you still have to be tactful and not just truthful That's how God expects us to interact with each other. The second type is demanding people, demanding people. These are people who always want to get their way. And we all know folks like that, right? They want to get their way. They're aggressive. Sometimes they can be manipulative and they can be stubborn. Demanding people have uh, two ways to look at life, okay? The right way and the wrong way. And your way is the wrong way. All right, there's a right way to do something and a wrong way to do something. And from their perspective, my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way. So how do we respond to people in love who are demanding to those demanding people? The Bible says this, love is not love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. So I need to seek to understand before I respond, seek to understand before I respond to those folks. Now, Bible's basically telling us that we have to think of the other person consider the other person try to understand the other person in Philippians chapter 2 uh, Jesus was the perfect example of us in life in Philippians chapter 2 Expresses how God wants us to interact with each other in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 I'm going to go through verses 1 through 8. It says if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ "...if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing, listen to this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves." Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude, right? There's that word, attitude, tone of voice, how we say it. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and found in his appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So... Jesus lays out the example that he wants us to follow love means putting other people first listen Even when they don't deserve it One of the things we're talking about here is forgiveness. How do we forgive? How do we get along? How do we interact with people? How do we forgive them in those in these situations because we need to be loving in these situations? And the Bible's saying that we need to put the other person first even when they don't deserve it because we're big on justice Making, making sure that things are fair. Sometimes in life, we need to take a deep breath, okay, put aside what's fair and do what's right, not just for ourselves, but for the other person. Try to see it from their perspective. Does that mean that you show love to the person who is maybe um, working in the store or in the restaurant who is not being very kind and considerate to you? The answer is yes, it does. And here's why. Because to be honest with you, if you're thinking about it from a biblical perspective, what you try to do is think about the other person first. And you ask yourself, what is it? Has this person gone through today that they would behave this way toward me? What what is Have they had the worst you know, week of their lives? Maybe they had a horrible week, a horrible week. Um, maybe their boss just chewed them out and you're like the next person who came up to them and they're not as kind or as considerate or they're not. they're not doing as well maybe they're they are they have been home up all night with their child and now the mom's got to go out a single mom and she's trying to be a waitress or you know a waiter or something whatever the case may be and and you don't know what they've been through so what we're what the bible's trying to tell us is that we need to be thinking beyond just our own feelings the bible tells us that that patience Comes from perspective. Trying to get a broader perspective. The way you get a broader perspective is you remember the three Bs. Okay, the three the three Bs. You you think about the person's background. Okay, and you don't, you don't even have to know their background, but you're thinking what is their background? What battles are they facing? Okay, what burdens are they carrying? The three Bs. The three B's, what burdens are they carrying? So their background, their battles and their burdens. Um, do, do, I, do I even consider what this person's background is? What, what, what they've experienced in the past, if you will. The challenges that they've had to face. What battles is this person facing right now? What is this person going through right now? You may not know, but you're at least asking the question and giving a little like right extra grace required. What battles is this person facing right now? And if you do know them, then use that to your advantage. What burdens does this person carry? They've been abused. They've been gone through a horrible experience. They've lost a job there, whatever. Whatever the case may be, what burdens does this person have to carry? Have they been carrying? In Proverbs 19, 11, it says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, some of you might be thinking. This is why, at the very beginning, I said you have to listen to everything I'm saying here because this is important. Okay? Some people might be thinking because this is one of those sermons where people can get defensive. Um, what do you expect? Just have people walk all over me? You know what I mean? I'm just going to be like a a, a a doormat and people are going to walk all over me. They just, just cave to this person's whims or whatever they want or how, however they want it to be. OK, that, that's what you think sometimes. Am I just supposed to be some kind of doormat, you know, a Christian doormat? That everybody gets to wipe their feet on. No. OK, here's the key, though. OK, here's the key. You need to be tender without surrender. You need to be tender Without surrender you 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 don't let people just walk all over you. That's not what I'm saying I'm not saying to allow people to walk all over you. Jesus never caved to people's manipulation Okay, or their sinful behavior He never caved in to their to their to their manipulation their manipulative spirits or whatever else or their sinful behavior He spoke the truth, right? Jesus always spoke the truth, but what did he do? He spoke the truth in love. Be tender without surrender. Be tender without surrender. That's what is called love in action. So we need to be tender without surrender. The third type are destructive people. These honestly are the hardest people of all. I'll just be honest with you. And you definitely need to now take a deep breath and hear what I say all the way through. This is extremely important for your life, Okay, what you teach your children, how we react. Destructive people. These people want to harm you. They may have purposefully harmed you. They're intentional. It is sad, but it is true that we live in a world filled with a lot of evil. There are people who are destructive. There are people in the world who are deceitful and who harm you intentionally. Those, those people are around. I wish they weren't, but they are. So how do you respond in love to people like that? Because God expects us to respond in love. But how do you respond in love? How do you love people who intentionally hurt you, who are mean, okay, who are, who are, who are hateful, or who are manipulative? See, when people hurt us, we have two natural tendencies. There are two natural tendencies when it comes to being harmed by someone. One is to remember it, okay, and the other one is to retaliate. Our two natural tendencies are to remember it and to retaliate. First, we remember it. We we play it over in our minds. We take it in there. It's like, you know, I am not going to forget this one I'm not going to let this one go. I'm going to keep this right here I'm going to make sure i'm not going to forget this one And then what we do is we rehearse it in our minds. Okay, we rehearse it We go over it. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that I don't care if it's six. I don't care if it's six years later I can't believe that person we rehearse it. We keep going over it in over and over and in our minds The second thing we do is retaliate. We are going, this person has intentionally harmed you. So you are going to spend the better part of your life retaliating and somehow getting back at the person, however however you're going to do it, you're going to get back passively or aggressively, whatever you want to do, you're going to get back at those folks, you're going to get back at that person for how they have wronged you. Getting even. The Bible says, listen, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Deep breath. Okay, let's keep going. So what does that mean? How do I respond to people who behave this way? You don't repeat it. You delete it. Okay? You don't repeat it. You delete it. Let it go. You, you let it go. And, and, and you forgive it. Okay, and you move on with your life. This is I'm not I'm not giving the other person I'm not justifying the other person's behavior in any shape or form. I'm thinking about you. Okay, you need to let that go, and you need to move on with your life. Don't repeat it. What does that mean? Well, typically when we get hurt, we repeat things in three ways. We repeat it emotionally. First, we repeat it emotionally in our minds. Talked about that. Second, we repeat it relationally. That whole idea of getting even, we repeat it relationally as a weapon. And third, we repeat it verbally to other people around us. So we do it emotionally, okay, relationally, and we do it verbally. We repeat those things. So, so we repeat it again over and over in our minds. We kind of hold on to it. Um, but when you hold on to that garbage... When you hold on to that grudge, when you hold on to that bitterness, you're hurting yourself more than you're hurting the other person. This is important to me. Okay, This is the important point here to me. When you're holding on to that grudge, that bitterness, that you will not forgive, you are hurting yourself. The second way we repeat it is in fights. We use it as a weapon. We do that with people that are around us on a regular basis. Someone hurt you intentionally, man, you're going to, every chance you get, you're going to bring it up and use it in a fight. The third way we repeat it is we talk to others. Now, here's the thing. I am not talking about healthy communicating with other people. You go to your counselor and you sit down with your counselor and you talk that through. You go to your pastor and you sit down with your pastor and you talk that through. You go to your life group and you talk to the people within the confines of your life group. You have you have a a a person who's like a mentor to you and you sit down. You that's not what I'm talking about. Those are healthy ways to express what's going on in your heart so you can you can grow, you can get healthy, and you can overcome that. What I'm talking about is flat out gossip. You don't talk to God about it. You don't talk to the other person about it and try to and try to resolve that and bring some kind of resolution to the thing. You just talk to everyone else about it. That's, that's all you're caring. About. You're talking to everyone else about it. And that is not all three of those are destructive, damaging and self-defeating when you do it emotionally, you do it verbally, you do it. When you do those things, they are destructive, they're damaging and they're self-defeating. So don't repeat it, delete it. Love keeps no, delete it. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I've had people write me some of the most awful things as a pastor. And I learned early on, I need to, I need not, I can't keep those things. Because sometimes, oh, what is that? And I open it up and it's this letter that someone wrote me that I'm still, that are still a part of my life and we've let it go and everything. But I kept it. And I read it. How could that person, I I burn them. I throw them out. I rip them up and chuck them. Okay. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If you want to move on, if you can, if you can restore the relationship and move on, you don't want things to remind you. So don't repeat it. Delete it. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, it's too, it's been too long. It's just too late for me, Pastor. It's been years. Matter of fact, it's been decades. This has gone on for decades. It's too late for me. I I, want to say in love to you this morning that you're wrong. Okay? God can bring beauty out of the ashes. God can use, God can, if you will, bring healing to the hurts of betrayal and uh, unfaithfulness, uh, alcohol abuse, you know what I mean, Um, bitterness. Um, Whatever words you want to put in there, God can bring healing from what has been inflicted upon you. Listen, forgiving, this is really important, forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving, people throw things, it burns me up when Christians just throw things around. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is letting go. Proverbs 10, 12 says this. Hatred stirs up dissension, okay? So you get this hatred and it keeps on, keeps on welling up in you. But love covers over all wrongs. What offenses in your life, I want you as we're kind of we're, we're coming closer to the conclusion, what offenses in your life are you still holding on to? I want to get personal here. What offenses, because I care about you, all right? This is about you. What offenses in your life are you still holding on to? Happened, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, you are still holding on to that offense, to what that person has done. Now I want to be clear. This is, I am not, I am not saying it's no big deal. I'm not saying, oh man, just listen, listen guys, it was no big deal. I mean, it was a long time ago, it's no big deal. Just listen, just give them a second chance, right? It, life's all about second chances, right? Forgive them and give them a second chance, you know. Um, let bygones be bygones, you know? Um, you know. Let's not get carried away. Jesus forgave you of your sins, so you've got to forgive this person of their sins. And, you know, just, you know, all, all, that's not what I'm saying. Just forgive and forget. Seriously, that's not what I'm saying. Jesus wants us to be smart and Jesus wants to be safe. So if someone has harmed you in the past, you have every right and you put boundaries up, you have every right to put boundaries up around dangerous people in your life. There are some people, like I said, these are damaging people. These intentionally, they've intentionally harmed you. OK, there's no repentance in their life. There is there you can put even if there has been, you can put boundaries around those people. God wants you to be safe and he wants you to be smart. Just don't let my point is just don't let their sinful behavior control your life. Do not let someone's sinful behavior control your life. I said this many times, but lack of forgiveness and bitterness in your heart, holding on to it, is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You die from drinking poison. And honestly, I'll just be honest with you, a lot of times these kind of people could care less. They could care less if you're angry. They can care less if you're, you're all bitter. You're going to get them back. You're going to do this. And you, they'll, one day they'll realize. I'm going to tell you, all that, okay, just allows them to continue control, to control your life that bitterness. So you can forgive and keep people at a safe distance. Hear me out. I'm your, this is, I'm trying to explain. You can forgive someone. Okay. You can let it, you can let go. You can forgive and keep that person at a safe distance. Debbie's father is an, is, was an abusive person. Okay. Abusive. And so when Debbie when Debbie was growing up, he was an abusive person, horrible person. When we got married, we talked and we as believers, pastor, okay, pastor's wife, thought, we're going to give that person, her father, another opportunity. But we put boundaries around the opportunity. You get drunk, we're done. Period. You do this or this, these things we, we, we will engage with you, we will forgive, we will engage reengage. But here are the boundaries we set. So we did. It was difficult, but we did. So at one point, I'll jump past a little bit. At one point, um, he was his, sec- his third wife' daughter was getting married. And they invited Deb to the wedding. And I couldn't be there. So Deb took the girls to the wedding. And she took a cousin as well, just for, you know, safety precautions and everything. And they went to the wedding. And during the wedding, now her father used to burn her with cigarettes. Okay. So at the wedding, he decides that he's, he's going to smoke at the wedding and he he was drinking. And so he decides that he's going to give Jen uh, a hug at the wedding. Now, Debbie never let Jen out of her sight, but he's going to give Jen a hug. So he comes and he, he gets in a position and I just found out in the last five or four or five years, which just, he burned her with a cigarette on purpose. He held her hand behind her back where you couldn't see it and burned her like he burned Deb with a cigarette. So she starts crying, of course, right? Because she's a a, a toddler and he burns her with a cigarette. And I'm saying this just, okay, you'll all hear my heart. Thank God I wasn't there. Deb didn't know what he did on purpose. She just did it by accident, but he was drunk, accident or no accident. She's out of there. Takes the girls, they go off. He's cussing at her and carrying on because she's leaving the wedding after he burns our child with a cigarette. Come to find out he did it on purpose. Okay, so here's my point. Okay, I then call him the next day because I'm in Cincinnati and he's somewhere else. I call him and I set boundaries, and here are the boundaries. You may never never, as long as you live, ever be around my family again. You may never be around my wife again. I'm going to protect my wife first and foremost. You may never be around my children again. Okay. I will never let him be around my grandchildren. You don't even know how many we have. I put boundaries around because I was clear, clear with him. You are. We can forgive you. We will forgive you. Okay, here are the boundaries. He broke those boundaries. I am not going to allow someone another chance to harm my wife and my children. It's not gonna happen. So you're allowed to set boundaries around dangerous people. But can I still forgive him? Can I, Jeff, forgive him? Can we forgive him? Yes. But we have laid boundaries around to protect ourselves from his behavior. When God says honor your father and your mother, it doesn't say to honor their sinful behavior. When God says, honor your father and mother, it doesn't say to honor their abuse, honor their selfishness, honor their uh, honor, their poor decisions. God gave you a brain. God gave you a responsibility, dad, to protect your family, mom, to protect your family. But that doesn't mean we can't forgive. But we, in, in our forgiveness, we can put out boundaries. Keep listening. OK, this is important. It's not I'm not saying I am not saying to ignore the pain in your life. I am, not, I, am, I am not saying to put on a happy face and to pretend everything's great. Just put on a happy face and pretend everything's great. We're all Christians. We all, how you doing? Fine, great. How you doing? Oh, everything's great. Everything's fine. That's not, that's not, what, that's not what I'm saying. God doesn't want us to fake it. He wants us to face it. Because it's only until we face it, okay, that we can forgive it. God wants us to forgive. We cannot forgive if we don't face it. We need to be able to face these things. So I'm also not saying to just make it all go away. Pretend it didn't happen. You need, we, you need to understand that if we're going to continue, if you or I are, gonna if we're going to continue down the path we're going right now with the bitterness and the unforgiveness and everything, it will end up destroying our lives. Someone has harmed you and now you're letting them continue to destroy your life. And if you don't let go of the bitterness and you don't let go of the anger and you don't let go of the hate and you don't forgive, that person is going to continue to destroy your life. First Corinthians 13 five says love keeps no record wrongs. It is not just for the other person. He says that it's for you. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Because you let that go. It's not just about the other person. It's about you. I I don't know who you need to forgive this morning, but here's what I do know. It needs to be today. Now, another deep breath, because I know some people like you have got I don't care what you say. I don't care. Listen, please hear me out, okay? You need to forgive that person and it needs to be today. And as we close, I want you to think of people who have harmed you and I want you to forgive them. The difficult people, not just the destructive people, the difficult people, the demanding people, and the destructive people. I want you to forgive them. Now, this is (laughs) it. I keep saying this. It's not about setting them free from responsibility, It's about setting you free from their sin. Let me say that again. It is not about, I am not asking you, I am not encouraging you to set them free from their responsibility. I'm asking you to set yourself free from their sinful behavior. That's what we're talking about this morning. And listen to my next few words very carefully. Just because you have forgiven that person doesn't mean God has. Let that sink in. Just because you have forgiven that person doesn't mean God has. First John 1 9 says, if I confess my sin... He is faithful and just and will forgive me from my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. If I do not confess my sin, if I say I have not sinned, the Bible has another thing to say about that. You're a liar, okay, and you're still under judgment. Here's the thing. Listen, eliminate yourself from the equation. Right now, it's that person and you and God. I mean, they're all in the equation. Eliminate yourself from the equation. You, when you forgive someone, are now, the shackle is cut. The ball and chain that you're dragging around is now cut. You are now free. You are now spiritually free. You are now emotionally free. You're free. That person, on the other hand, if they have not repented Is still in spiritual bondage they're still under judgment That's just biblical reality They are still under judgment So just because you have forgiven them doesn't mean god has so this is your homework for the week as we close off This is your homework. I want you to I want you to think about the difficult people I want you to think about the destructive people I want you to think about the you know, I want just think through those people who are difficult to Engage with and I want you to forgive them And I want you to do his homework and the homework we're going to do in study hall and study halls now Okay, we're not leaving here We need this needs to be put to bed. You need to be set free You need to you need to allow god to deal with the person who's harmed you you need to be set free some of you, to be honest with you, um, you're holding on. This is not destructive, people. This is just a conflict uh, with, within your marriage, a conflict within your relationship with your kids, a conflict within people at work, whatever else. It's the same principle. You're going to have to go before the Lord and you're going to have to let that give that over to God and forgive that person because it is eating your, you up inside emotionally. You can't function well and healthy in an emotional way if you're continually feeling anger and bitterness towards someone. Give him, give that person over to God. Set yourself free. So I want you to close your eyes with me. So you may, you may need to forgive your husband or your wife. You may need to forgive your, 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 your brother or your sister, your mom or your dad. You may need to forgive a a relative. Maybe it's an old friend, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's your boss. Whoever it is, you need to forgive those people. Take yourself out of the equation and allow God to do what God is going to do. I want you to pray and I want you to release yourself from that bondage that you've been in. If for some reason you need some prayer this morning, if you want someone to pray over you, there are people that are going to be spread around the room. You don't have to do this, but if you'd like someone to pray with you this morning about the struggle you're facing or something that you... Because this brings up emotions, not just about forgiveness, it just brings up emotions. And so if you need someone to pray with you, there are people who are going to pray with you this morning. But for the rest of us, if we could just sit quietly... And your homework is to forgive. It's to forgive. And walk out of here light. Walk out of here free. Father, help us to recognize the people that we're still, the anger and the bitterness and the the lack of forgiveness we're still holding on to. And God, I pray that you'd bring those people to mind and that we would let them go this morning. So that we can become more like you without any infringement, without any blocks in our lives, any stumbling blocks, Lord God. Set us free this morning in Jesus' name. Let's leave this place this morning with a new sense of renewal, a new beginning, a freshness, a cleansing. Father, let us leave behind at your cross. Let us leave behind the things that have been burdening us, holding on to us, holding us down, holding us back, holding us captive. God, we want to take ourselves out of the equation and allow you the freedom to move in that person's life. Lord God, help us to love those who are difficult to love. Help us to love those who are demanding. And to the best of our ability, Lord God, help us to even love people who are destructive, that they would see the the sin in their lives, that they would be broken and they would come to repentance. God, we love you. We praise you for this time we can spend together. Thank you for moving in this place. Thank you for changing our lives. Thank you for... For the way you care about us, Lord God, give us the strength that we need to be more like you each and every day. That we would love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have an awesome day. Love you.